This is Inside the Writer's Head with Danny McLean, the Library Foundation of Cincinnati and Hamilton Counties Writer in Residence for 2020. The Library Foundation's Writer in Residence program promotes writing, literacy, and creativity while furthering the library's mission of connecting people with the world of ideas and information. Welcome to Inside the Writer's Head. On this podcast, you can expect conversations with writers and other lovers of books, journalism, libraries, and the literary arts. Our guest today is Tisha Murray, who goes simply by Murray. Murray is a Georgia peach transplanted to Ohio. She writes poetry and is a member of an all-women's poetry group called Bitches Brew, which was founded by Kathy Y. Wilson. She teaches arts integration for Pones and Wordplay Cincinnati, using dance to teach elementary school students academic standards. Murray is also the founder and director of Terra Fay, a small performance company of movement artists, which centers on marginalized bodies. She writes, dances, teaches, and choreographs to heal. Welcome, Murray. I'm so glad to be talking with you today. Thank you, Danny. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And just so our listeners know up front, we are two moms of young children, right on cue. Um, (laughs) And so our children's voices very well might be making appearances. um, And that's, and we welcome that. So Um, yeah, yeah. So I got to know of your work through Bitches Brew. Um, You know, when I was, when I lived in Cincinnati back in, I guess probably like 2003 and four, there was a really vibrant performance poetry scene um, that was around, you know, the Greenwich and and other kind of locations around town. Were you part of that world? I don't know if if your age would have made you able to get into a bar at that point if you're I'm 35, but thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So um, let's see, I moved down here for grad school in 2008. And so I won't say that it was fizzling out, like, because I think it hit another nice little wave um, around that time. But I was uh, meeting a lot of poets around that time. And one of the first places I went was to an open mic at the Greenwich. Okay, great. Yeah, I mean, it was, I was uh, excited when I moved back here in 20 oh my goodness 15 to hear about bitches brew because it seemed not only was it you know um performance poetry but an all women's crew um in a lot of ways a departure from the kind of content that was like front and center back in the performance poetry scene um and that I was a part of or at least you know watching a lot of back in 03 so talk a little bit about bitches brew um what you know what is it? How did you get involved? Oh, man. So um, I think it was the Kennedy Arts Center was hosting an exhibit called Film, And they wanted Kathy to um, basically curate a group of poets uh, to come and perform their work. Right. And you know how border crossing Kathy is. So she had we had never met the four the original four or five of us um we most of us had never met like I had no I had seen a Bia but I hadn't like hang, hung out with a Bia I'd never met Avril yes I know it's crazy right 
<laughs> sorry i try to involve you in the conversation no um, <laughs> like i said that's welcome so um and then uh crystal uh who went by ophelia was from new orleans originally but she was yeah. here working with her husband mate so um we all just kind of came together met that day or that night and we did a round robin style right so like each poet goes once and then we start a new round and with every progressive round there was this like obvious chemistry building between artists Mm -hmm. like we were incredible fans of each other's work and when we stepped back from performing and we're in the green room together like we were really vibing together and the audience was also like um they seemed deeply invested, you know what I mean? And more and more invested in what was gonna be said next. And so um, a bunch of us ended up hanging out afterwards and we were just like, yo, this could be a thing. Like we could be coming together on a regular basis and like vibing off of each other and connecting with people and like giving giving the poetry scene something that it really hasn't had before, Mm -hmm. Uh, certainly not Cincinnati. So it kind of was just one random night that blossomed into something more. And what was that thing that you all were bringing that was a departure from what Cincinnati had had before? Um, I think the biggest thing was like transparency and vulnerability and authenticity, right? Mm. Um, I think that's something that can be said about each writer. And none of us was really writing a whole lot about the world around us, right? So like, Mm. you know, in a performance Mm -hmm. poetry, sometimes there's there's an archetype for like, kind of preaching to the choir about yeah. society's ills right and we were basically like yeah these are society's ills we're all aware of that this is how I'm experiencing that from my particular locus in this crazy um power structure that we've got going on like this is where my body lies this is where my thoughts are coming from mm-hmm. and just being really vulnerable about who we are as individuals, the things that we were struggling with, the things that we were overcoming, the things that were empowering us. And I think that these are voices that hadn't necessarily been heard amplified in that way, right? Mm Because each poet complimented the other poet. Like one person could be talking about um, struggles of, of being a woman in a world that does not value women, right? And uh, people could take that in so many different directions. The next person can talk about being uh, a black woman, a queer woman, a woman struggling with depression, like, and what that looks like on different facets. And I think it really started to kind of like bubble up the things that resonate with people, but we don't get to hear very often in like mm-hmm. our everyday society. Mm. Wow, thanks for that. Um, so take us back even further into your history. So you're from Georgia. Were you writing and performing poetry growing up, like as a younger person? Um, I think it started when I went to, I got kicked out of my uh, middle school in the sixth grade. It was politely okay. done. Uh, <laughs> it was very politely done. There's a whole story. but um, <laughs> And I ended up going to Cleveland School of the Arts as a dance major. No training none I auditioned they were like you can get in but you need to attend this camp I got a little bit of training it was all good when and you say I got Cleveland, there. this was Cleveland Ohio or Cleveland a uh, city oh Cleveland Ohio okay Cleveland Ohio mm-hmm. and um what ended up happening I don't know it was just such a different world from what I was used to I've been going to uh magnet schools for like math and science up until that point and then suddenly I got thrust into this world that was all about um creativity and creation right 
and lots and lots of big feelings and big sounds and big personalities. And I was not ready for it. And so I found myself, um, and it was a six through 12th grade school. So, you know, being exposed to people who are much older than you um, also means that you're being exposed to um, norms that you haven't really encountered yet as, as a young person. And so like, I was very overwhelmed and poetry was like my way of writing about these really, really confusing and chaotic and dark emotions. Right. And so I started writing to kind of like organize my thoughts and kind of get a handle on what it was I was feeling. A lot of time I didn't even know what was going to come out. It was just there on the page suddenly. And, you know, you try to make it sound pretty so it doesn't sound as dismal as it feels. And I don't know. So I kept writing and then I tried to get a dual major creative writing and dance. But uh, those are the two most demanding majors at our school. So you can only do one. And I had to pick one after chose dance. Um, and I just kind of kept writing. So I wonder, would you feel comfortable reading a poem, one of your poems right now? Because I want to talk about um, your work more specifically. Ooh, I mean, sure. That'd be great. Um, I'm going to read Sanctuary. It's the one I wrote for, uh, specifically for Bitches Brew. You wrote this for Bitches Brew. Okay, wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe there was a place or a time where and when women could come naked but for their truths and their questions as boldly yet quietly in the waxing and waning chaos much like a birthing womb. every woman labors differently and there remains the groans of growth and creation so much noise surrounds the unwritten, the unsung. It tangles with the soulful sounds of one generation or another, washing over limbs, splayed haphazardly over couches and rugs and chairs and stools. At least, that's how it was for us. Beset on all sides by a wealth of Blackness few could imagine, struggling with our own gifts in the shadow of her favor, which isn't always as pleasant as it sounds. Yet there is no safer place to lay our bones bare, to sift through the pieces of our former selves, to bleed out and reform again and again from the inside, to wring authenticity and vulnerability from places we didn't want to see, let alone touch. True poems change you, and some people are poems, and some people are sanctuaries. What do you think makes a good poem? You know, as a kid, I used to think like the prettier words I use, right? The best, the more I just romanticize and describe something, the better the poem is. Um, and then it became for a while, like when I started um, hanging out with spoken word artists, more about like the cadence and the impact of what I was saying. And then, um, I don't know, my writing style really changed. It kind of went back to where it was in the beginning. And I think that's around the time that I encountered Kathy. So I didn't have these like three, four minute long pieces. They weren't memorized. Um, they were just kind of like short um, collections of like thought or feeling. And when she started editing for me, it became about the honesty, right? So like everything that she read, um, it, it was always like some, there's 
you're not saying something you know what I mean she she always drilled down to that like there's something you're not saying and the more honest I became um the better the work was and I'm finding that um for the people that I read and the people that I really love and especially like the local poets that I follow it is it is really the honesty and the authenticity that for me makes good good work so who are some of your favorite your favorite poets and what is it that you like about them what makes them your favorites um I love some June Jordan mm. my god uh I think that um her words are so powerful I think she's one of the most underrated poets of her time with that kind of black arts era um I enjoy Everett Hoagland who also I don't think is particularly well known but um I really enjoy his work um and then locally uh, Kathy White Wilson doesn't write or share poetry much, but I love, I love her poems. And I'm a huge fan of Elise Daniel and Avril Thurman. Like I, those are probably, locally, those are my two, two of my favorites. I could read and listen to them all day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Buddha agrees. <laughs> um, do you feel like you had to train your ear to listen to poetry? I'm going to admit here that I am very intimidated by poetry in the same way that I'm intimidated by abstract visual art because I'm so narrative driven and if there isn't a story that I can follow it's easy for me to get lost do you um did you have to learn how to appreciate poetry um no I don't think so I feel like it was just like the things that caught my attention caught caught me you know what I mean so um I had a friend in college that wrote these, like listening to his poetry was like going on an acid trip, right? Like it was crazy and it was impossible for me to keep up a lot of the time. Um, but if you could just kind of like go with the flow and take, allow yourself to be taken on that ride, it could be a lot of fun. Um, so I think it's just, I don't know, I could be listening. Yeah, you agree? I could be listening enthusiastically and I could be like halfway listening, halfway talking to a friend at an open mic. Um, but there's just something usually that someone says and it just takes that one thing and they've got me probably for the rest of the poem. Um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't really, I don't think I really had to train my ear to listen to it per se, but I also don't have that, you know, poems need to have A, B, and C to be a poem. You know what I mean? Like I don't really have some idea about like some acceptable format or mm -hmm. way that it has to be read or it needs to sound like this to get the people going like I don't really I don't subscribe to any of that so it just ends up being you know whatever whatever touches me in some way so you're a teaching artist with wordplay and with poems could you talk about your work there I know because you are a dancer and an aerialist and you do all these incredible things with creative movement. I'm not sure how much of the, your teaching artist work is focused on movement and how much is focused on poetry and creative writing. Can you talk about your work with wordplay and poems? Uh, sure, so um, poems is a local dance collective uh, and it has uh, kind of, I think three arms, but I'm just gonna focus on the, the main two. One um, is the collective that does live performances, productions, plays, participates in French festival, um and then the other is the uh, laboratory of movement side and that's where we do like the after school programming and the um, arts integration in the classrooms and the local schools so um i'm more of the laboratory of movement side of things 
And um, so basically we just kind of use different games to help kids understand like really basic concepts, but it can be challenging when they're not fun, fun to learn. Like teaching first graders that there's a beginning, middle and end of something on a whiteboard isn't as fun as having them act out the three little pigs or Goldilocks and the three bears and then show, allowing them to show you, if you know what I mean. This is what happened in the beginning and this is what happened in the middle and this is what happened in the end. Um, and I do the same for uh, wordplay as well. Um, but I also teach uh, what we call a rhythm and rhyme camp for wordplay one week in the summer, which is probably the only time I really do anything educational with um, creative writing as like the, the payload, so to speak. So we basically pick a poem and I teach the kids how to find the rhythm or the meter or the cadence of the poem. And then we play that out in little handmade instruments. And um, we use movement to help them memorize the words to the poem. Because if you can attach the word to a movement, it sticks with you a little bit better. Um, and then at the end of the week, they get to perform that for their, their parents and other uh, word play members. So that's that's where a lot of my um, of pretty much all of my teaching artist experience comes from is working with those two organizations and it's a lot more like it's movement based but at the end of the day it's it's language arts right like it's creative writing it's it's understanding storytelling. Um, and what age could you say again the age groups that you work with, uh, especially for the the wordplay um, summer camp. So for workplace summer camp, the kids are usually really anywhere from like first to I want to say fifth or sixth grade. It varies. We don't put an age limit on it. Whatever workplace kids want to participate, as long as their parents say it's okay, they come and they do mm -hmm. the thing. Um, with poems, I've worked with every age group. Um, the arts integration is really elementary school based, so pre-K through I believe sixth grade. Um, but for some of the other um, after school activities or some of the other opportunities they give us to kind of like come in and work with the kids for maybe just a day um, have been all the way up to, you know, seniors in high school. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so we started our conversation by talking about the local performance poetry scene. And I mean, you're parenting a very young child, you got your hands full. Um, we've just in the conversations we've had leading up to this, I know that you're involved in you know different professional development and training but are you connected to the local performance poetry scene and i'm wondering specifically you know as people begin to gather again um as people you know feel safe to gather again in the midst of um you know this pandemic where are people showing up where are people sharing their poetry for audiences I don't know, like I don't feel connected to the scene anymore. Um, I believe my friend Marcus has a reading coming up at Clifton Public Library here soon that I'm gonna try to go to. Um, I know Queens Village has been working with uh, Desiree Holsley and uh, Jorianne Cotton on um, some writing uh, workshops that kind of end with a performance from the participants. So there, I don't know, I don't feel like it is what it was pre-COVID, right? Nothing, nothing really is. But I also don't feel like it kind of like burst on back onto the scene like all the other performance opportunities mm. and, and communities, right? So it's like theater's like, doors are open, let's do this. The dancers are like, doors are open, let's do this. And poets are like, I'm gonna go write about this still for right? you. Right, I'm still traumatized. <laughs> I need to process. <laughs> right. 
the philosophers and the thinkers man they're like yeah (laughs) not yet not yet we don't even know if this is over exactly yeah right no new normal you know let's let's uh process no i think that's a really good point i know that um black poetry day is coming up october 17th and the library is hosting um a black poetry day event um that day at comfort station in walnut hills from six to eight uh is that a someplace that that folks might be able to catch your work you perform yeah i'm thinking i'm definitely in conversation with them about um reading a few pieces that day um barring any like crazy barriers popping up because life is happening all the time especially when you have a newly mobile nine-month-old um but I'm, I'm planning to be there. It's outdoors. So I feel comfortable bringing a little Buddha with me and hanging out with some poets and, and getting to hear some work. It'll be really good food for the soul. Yeah. Oh, I can get that for you very soon. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I always ask our, my guests, uh, what are you reading these days? <laughs> That's such a silly question to ask the parent of a nine month old, my bad. Oh, you're good. You can say like <laughs> the back of the, you know, cereal box or- I'm like, reading um, books on Java because mm-hmm. life's not fun right now. Um, books on Java and JavaScript. So I'm not doing a whole, I'm reading a lot of code uh, and logic you're training, around code. You're training to, to do coding? Yeah, yeah. So software engineering, some web development, some database management stuff. Mm-hmm. It's rough. Oh, you mean being a poet and a dancer and an aerialist doesn't pay all your bills, your family's bills? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's crazy how those incredible aspects of our culture and society just don't pay well. Right. Even when you teach kids, wild. You know, I'm really enjoying this conversation, this episode, because I feel like it's the realest conversation I've had yet in terms of like children needing things <laughs> and like the reality of like, this is how I'm actually spending my days, you know, trying to, you know, create a new income stream and, and all, you know, it's, it's real. And I think, you know, I think that a lot of times people have these ideas about what the writing life is and it's not romantic and it's often not cute and beautiful so I like the I like the the realness of what's happening as we talk about art <laughs> well, just saying, it's this it's the perfect soundtrack life yeah. is happening all the time it um, is. and I know I remember growing up uh I was in a I don't know if it's a chemistry or a biology class and in like the margins of the textbook would be these quotes and these weird facts about different scientists and I remember seeing um, one of these DWPs uh, that I really liked. Oh, DWP thing. Yeah, no, break it down for us. Dead white poet. So I used to say, like, <laughs> like <laughs> when you first learn about poetry, if you learn about it in a classroom setting, like you learn about dead white poets. Like that's how you get taught, right? It's right. changing, but you know, in from the night, like what 1990 to like 2004 like that's who we were learning about like yeah, I knew Walt about Whitman yeah you know and about, e. Cummings yeah. and stuff before I learned about any of the people who um are my heroes now right it's a mess it's a mess and so um 
I had seen this DWP that I really enjoyed at the time. And it was basically talking about how he was a, uh, a chemist, a chemist, I think by profession, you know what I mean? And um, teaching chemistry and coming up with these new compounds was basically his bread and butter. And that's how he, uh, you know, paid for his life, but poetry was his passion. And so I had it kind of in my head from way back when that like, I was always going to write because it's what made me happy and it, it helped me keep, uh, keep my sanity in the face of a tiny tyrant yelling at me because I can't, can't get the whistle. Um, here you go, man. And so like, I never really expected to live off of it and I always felt like people don't really appreciate like poets and visual artists till they're gone. So I, I was just like, we make money how we make money. I work like a Jamaican. I've always had like four jobs. So yeah. <laughs> it doesn't affect me much yeah well I um I'm so thankful for you sharing even just a bit of your afternoon with me to talk about your work um would you be willing to read us another poem before we close out oh uh, sure let's see what do we have what are we going to read the people Buddha what's appropriate for your tiny ears so this piece is called a uh, poem for my mother Hardship's been chipping at your sanity. I've been watching, so this poem won't write itself. You've gone hungry that sis and I may eat, have taken bumps and bruises that we may have somewhere to sleep, scrape the bottom of every barrel cause society don't give a damn till you're empty, really, not even then. So the truth doesn't have my permission to hurt you. I've grown up wishing I could protect you and this poem won't write itself. I'll strangle the unspoken, rearing its ugly, spiteful head between the lines, between the words, a child protecting a mother in the little ways I can, sometimes when I shouldn't. There are too many secrets for a relationship so close. Love keeps pushing me to reveal them, but I've had my hands full, tied, been building this hedge for 22 years, and I don't want you to feel blamed and ashamed, and I may know your strength better than you do, your sensitivities too, yet there's no room for naked honesty. I don't romanticize, just dress quiet contentions and elegance, dance around the kitchen with you, we avoid certain topics now without you even noticing. You always said I was a natural leader, but I've never known you to follow. Thank you. For sure. Hmm. Murray, how can listeners of this podcast follow your work? They can't. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I knew it, but we'll see they can't um we'll see you know um kathy's kicking man she's out and about and doing things and so she wants to have like a bitches brew gathering uh we can find a way to do that safely then i'm always down to perform um and i've got like individual projects that i've wanted to do and never never gotten started so i don't know what about Um, i follow you on instagram is that private personal 
No, it it was public. I just had it private for sometimes I get like this wash of like followers and I don't know where they're from and I don't know these people and it makes me feel weird. Maybe I'll probably private um to cut all that out. Uh every now and again I do share some poems on my IG, but it, I literally got it for like um following wicked pole dancers so I could learn from right. tricks. So right. <laughs> so poetry is not the focus, but it, it makes its appearance every now and again. Okay. Do you want to share that handle or do you not want oh, sure. an influx it's, of it's just call me Murray at on Instagram, uh C-A-L-L-M-E-M-U-R-R-A-Y. Um you could follow me. I may or may not, you know, accept the follow. I don't know. It just kind of <laughs> yeah. depends on how I'm feeling that day. Um, you know, uh, if if you're if you're like, yo, I'm here for the poetry, like just shoot me a message and I'll definitely we're good. We're golden. Well, thank you so much for the time and um yeah, for not, you know. I've already I've already said this, but just thanks for showing up as you are in this moment and not think not saying no I can't talk because I might have too much going on or whatever you know thanks for just sharing yourself I really appreciate oh man that. thank you for for being a welcoming and safe space to do that I really appreciate it I um I tend to show up as who I am and where I am and it just kind of is what it is but it's always nice to be supported in that and validated in that so I really appreciate it absolutely you're welcome you got any parenting well, advice before I go I'm ooh, trying to reach out to all goodness. the women I know wow like, yo, I need all the information <laughs> yeah 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 um it always just sounds like such a cliche when people say it flies by but I, I mean it's just so true so to the extent I love that you're working and you have your child there with you because you're um it helps just to soak up as much of their presence as you can in, in all sure. the ways that you can Yo, when he turns, what was it, eight weeks? And I, I knew I wasn't going back to work at the time, but like the thought that so many women are forced back into the oh workspace and away from their kid for eight hours a day, like I was just sitting there in tears and uh, my partner's like, what's wrong with you? I was like, yo, like there are women who have to leave their child at this point. Like, this is crazy to me. At four weeks. Blows you know, my mind. Yeah, some people, yeah. Some people two weeks. Like it's, yeah, it's such it's a- wild. It is. It is, it is incredibly wild that- um, you expect her to spend that much time apart from your kid, from from extension of yourself, you know what I mean? Right. So quickly. Right. So I'm super, super grateful for uh, for the time that I get to spend with him. And I'm super grateful that my family's like been super, really supportive of me um, kind of taking this path right now to kind of pivot in my career, mm-hmm. um, but pivot in my career in a way that allows me to still have him with me. Because I don't think what you said at all was cliche at all. I had a friend tell me, um, the days are long, but the years fly by. That's so cherish exactly every moment. Right. That's right. And I think that that's 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 the depth of what people mean when they say like time flies. Like, do not take it for granted, and especially in that first year, because who he was when I started the boot camp and who he is today mm-hmm. are two very very different people. And I would hate to have missed even a second. That's it for this episode of Inside the Writer Pad. Keep joining us for in-depth conversations with writers and other lovers of books, journalism, libraries, and the literary arts. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to the Library Foundation for funding the Writer in Residence program. You can meet Danny at various events throughout the year. Learn more by visiting cincinnatilibrary.org slash writer in residence. 
Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss future episodes. And leave us a review. It helps other book lovers find us. Thank you. Thank you.